Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll update you on two Vatican cardinals who work closely with the Pope, testing positive for coronavirus. We'll also talk about the Pope's address to the Roman Curia and a new Vatican document that says it's morally permissible to get a COVID vaccine. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny, beautiful day in Rome, Colleen. But we're looking ahead to the 24th when we will be under lockdown right across the country. That's right. It's going to be a really interesting Christmas for y'all this year. Yes, There's great fear, especially uh, the fear has been aggravated by what's happened in the the United Kingdom in England. Uh, There's at least one case of this uh, new strain of the COVID has been hospitalized here in Rome. So everybody's a little uneasy. Yeah, and rightfully so. Um, Jerry, we found out yesterday on Monday, December 21st, that two Vatican cardinals have COVID. Um, it's Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, who we've talked about on this show. He's the Pope's almoner. He's their, his main contact with the poor and needy in Rome and around the world. And also Cardinal Giuseppe Bertello, who is the president of the Pontifical Commission for the Vatican City State and is president of the Governorate, which is kind of the, uh, it's it's the Vatican City State you know, itself as a city-state. They've both tested positive for coronavirus. We know that Krajewski is in the hospital with pneumonia symptoms. How is Bertello? Bertello is reasonably well, I'm told. But uh, Krajewski, they took him to hospital because he had the beginning of pneumonia symptoms and they felt it had to be treated immediately uh, to prevent the thing getting worse. He's 57 years old. Bertello is 78. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, but he, he seems to be reasonably well. What I'm, what I heard today. Now we know that Krajewski uh, reportedly spoke with Pope Francis at length on Friday last week. What do we know about that meeting? Is it would it constitute close contact for Francis? Well, uh, two things. It wasn't a meeting as such. It was they met before one of the Advent talks given by Cardinal now Cardinal uh, Cantalamessa. Now, just before that meeting, uh, Krajewski went up to the Pope, and uh, both the Pope and Krajewski were wearing masks. Well, that's good. So what precautions is the Vatican taking now? Well, the Vatican has has real, uh, very big precautions, because if you go into any Vatican office today, you have, first of all, your temperature is checked, then you've got to give your details as where where you've been, whether you've been in contact with anybody who's had COVID, whether you've had COVID, etc. So there's a, there's a strict control. Then, uh, of course, washing of the hands with the gel. And uh, it's interesting that the Pope now will, for the the various days when he would normally appear at his the window of the study in the Apostolic Palace, he will not be appearing there. He will be giving those uh, greetings from the private library. Got it. That's probably in an effort to avoid people in in St. Peter's Square. Yes, they 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 said very clearly that it's to protect and uh, avoid any possibility of the COVID 
either to him or to to others. Right. You also reported yesterday that they're doing contact tracing um, to try to get anybody who's been in close contact with these two cardinals uh, into quarantine. Yes, uh, we have got very little details. I, I got the information. It wasn't the Vatican press office is not giving out formal information about individuals because uh, of the privacy regulations. Uh, but uh, I had confirmation both cardinals tested positive, and I had confirmation also that the tracing is is continuing. And we do know that by mid in mid uh, January, the Vatican will carry out the vaccines, vaccination of Vatican employees, cardinals who are in the Vatican, etc., and. Uh, lay and clerical employees, and the families of the lay people also will benefit. We know that so far everyone in the Vatican who has gotten COVID has recovered, so obviously we hope the same for Cardinals Krajewski and Bertello as well. If our listeners want to read more about these two cases and about how the Vatican is fighting coronavirus, uh, I'll link to some articles in the show notes. Cari fratelli e sorelle, Il Natale di Gesù di Nazareth è il mistero di una nascita che ci ricorda che gli uomini, anche se devono morire, non sono nati per morire, ma per ricominciare. For our second story, also in the news yesterday on the 21st, uh, Pope Francis gave his annual address to the Roman Curia. Now, these have, under Francis, kind of been the moment when he, he speaks very honestly to the to the Curia about their failings, uh, which which has been a surprise, especially his first year as Pope. Um, Jerry, can you give me some context on, on these addresses? Like, who is the Roman Curia? Who is he talking to here? And what does he usually say? Well, first of all, it's been the tradition of the popes, not just Francis, the previous popes as well, on the eve of Christmas, uh, a few days before Christmas, uh, to meet the curial officials, the senior officials of the Roman Curia, but also the cardinals who are in Rome. Mm-hmm. And so the cardinals who are in Rome will also attend. And uh, you have about maybe a hundred people. Uh, normally, it's in the Clementine Hall, but yesterday it was in the Hall of Benedictions. Now, the Hall of Benedictions, you, you know, when on Easter and when Francis was elected, that central balcony that he that he came out on and greeted the people. Well, the Hall of Benedictions is the hall right behind that window, and it's quite long, so it enabled for spacing, and uh, the people were spaced out. They social distance was respected. Uh, everybody was wearing masks. The Pope didn't wear a mask because he was speaking. And of course, the two cardinals whom we mentioned earlier who were who had tested positive uh, were not present. But Cardinal Tagli, the Filipino, who had COVID uh, more than a month back, he, he was there well. And Cardinal Paralin, the Secretary of State who had an operation uh, recently, he was also there and was in good good form. Mm-hmm. Jerry, is it always all cardinals who come to this? No, cardinals and the archbishops and uh, the, the prefects of the congregations, mm-hmm. the secretaries of the congregations of the Vatican offices, and the undersecretaries. Got it. This year's talk by the Pope was very different from previous years. In previous years, he tended to sl- slap on the on the hand, you know, misbehavior, uh, saying, you know, these are the illnesses, this is the antidotes, etc. This year, he, he's gone almost a more spiritual, more profound depth into the whole understanding 
also in the light of the crisis that all of us are facing in the Kuri outside it, uh, people everywhere are facing this crisis. Um, so this year, Francis really focused on this idea of conflict versus crisis. And I found what he said kind of surprising. He he views crisis as as a good thing and and conflict as being kind of the the fighting that is that is a lot worse um which i think is is a reversal of how i would usually use those terms right i'd usually see crisis as as a lot worse than conflict um can you kind of explain what the difference is in francis's view that he laid out here well it's very interesting i i went through the text fairly carefully and i saw that he used the word crisis 35 times mm-hmm he used the word conflict 10. Oh. Uh, but if you read the newspaper reports, it, it seems that he's focused on conflict. And in fact, the opposite is the case. Mm-hmm. He, he was saying that in life, personal life, in social, economic, also religious life, you have crisis. And it's a part of life. It's an ongoing phenomenon of life. And we must not try to avoid it. Because God speaks to us in the midst of the crisis, that the Holy Spirit is there in the crisis. And what we have to do is to humbly and in our best way face the crisis uh, and try to see what God is saying to us in the midst of the crisis. And he, he, he took five biblical figures and said, if you look at the Bible, you will see that from Abraham, Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, Paul of Tarsus, St. Paul, each of them had a major crisis in their life. Abraham told to, you know, kill his child. Right. Now, it is kind of surprising. I mean, I feel like each of these moments is, is a very standout moment. But then Francis says that, no, we're, we're always in a state of crisis, whereas I would usually think of crisis as being something that's out of the ordinary, right? Well, he also said, look at Christ's life. He said, this is a prime example. Christ was temptation, 40 days in the desert, then Gethsemane, and then the cross. And what Francis is saying is that throughout life, we, we, we find ourselves in crisis in many different moments. It's not as if they're planned that year one this, year ten this, but we find crisis in many different moments. And I think mm-hmm. this is everybody's own personal experience. It being crisis in relationships, crisis right. at work, crisis in health, crisis in the economic situation. And these moments are difficult to handle. And he said it, it can really take us down. It can uh, We can be frightened by it. We can be in trepidation of the crisis. But he, he says we've also not to lose hope that not think we're in the crisis alone. And that takes us back to what he said on the 27th of March, Colleen. You remember in the Esplanade in front of St. Peter's Square when he was there by himself, and he says, you know, we're not alone in the boat. Mm -hmm. He's saying, you know, in the crisis, we discovered negative things also about ourselves. And of course, we've seen this in the COVID uh, crisis. We've discovered, you know, that some people were being so badly exploited, some people were exploiting others. So, in a way, a crisis is a moment of discovery as well, and of going back to essentials, and of recognizing, coming to understand what God is asking of us and what we need to do to get out of the crisis and be better and build better. Right, and that really gets at at a central point that he's trying to make here about crisis, which is that it's it's the moments of crisis that that birth growth, right? 
I'm curious about how that stacks up with then what he has to say about conflict. He, he says c- conflict can be a, a way where we you get one group which thinks it's got the answers and thinks that the others are really wrong. So he said they tend to find who to blame and who 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 you know who are the winners and who are the losers and who are on the right side and who are on the left. And so you get left against right, traditionalists against uh, the uh, more progressives and such like. And he said, this is happening in the church, but uh, you don't get through a crisis if you don't read it in the light of the gospel. And, and conflict is a pulling apart, not a coming together. Yeah, and he thinks that the, the way to get out of a crisis is by coming together. I want to read this quote um, from the part that you were just summarizing. He says, When the church is viewed in terms of conflict, right versus left, progressive versus traditionalist, the church becomes fragmented and polarized, distorting and betraying her true nature. She is, on the other hand, a body in continual crisis precisely because she is alive. She must never become a body in conflict with winners and losers, for in this way she would spread apprehension, become more rigid and less synodal, and impose a uniformity far removed from the richness and plurality that the Spirit has bestowed on the Church. Yes, it's it's very important to see what Francis is saying, is that uh, people almost enjoy being in conflict sometimes. It's easier, in a way, to be at each other's throats sometimes, rather than calmly sitting and saying, really, what is the issue? That we are in the crisis, we're all one family in the Church, we're, we're one family. So why are we trying to push out others or squash others? He says, we're damaging the body. There's one body of Christ, and we're damaging it. So is this Francis saying that that we should avoid conflict, like avoid arguing with each other? No, he's never said we should avoid. uh, It's how we do it. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. He says, you know, as happens in the Synod, he said, you know, it's necessary for people to speak their minds openly, but not to lose sight that uh, we're all members of, of, of the body of Christ. We're all one family, or we should be. And if we want to eliminate members of the family, then we're doing something that's destructive of Christ's intention. Christ asked for us to, to be united. So Pope Francis is in the middle of a big reform of the Roman Curia. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in our year-end wrap-up uh, next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but if you want to read more about Pope Francis's address to the Roman Curia this year, I will link to a story on that in the show notes. We begin tonight with the historic milestone in this global fight against the coronavirus, the first Pfizer vaccine shots administered in the UK. Right in the middle of another history-making weekend. As we speak, crews inside this McKesson plant putting the final touches and packing some of the very first doses of the Moderna vaccine in the entire country. It was early this morning in the UK, 90-year-old grandmother Margaret Keenan rolling up her sleeve and becoming the first person in the world to get that Pfizer vaccine. Hospital staff applauding and cheering her on what they're calling V-Day in Britain. For our last story today, the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith issued a note yesterday saying it is morally permissible for Catholics to get a coronavirus vaccine, even if that vaccine was developed using tissue lines from an aborted fetus. Uh, Now, this has been a big concern. Uh, I've heard, especially over in the States, um, a lot of people have been concerned about this aspect of the coronavirus vaccine having been 
having uh, cell lines from aborted fetuses involved in the research process and the production process. Um, Jerry, can you walk me through what the CDF's argument is here? Some people were uh, worried that here, because we've got, the church has got a stance, also the Pope very clearly against abortion, that using a, a vaccine which in some way had used the cell lines from aborted feces of decades ago. Mm-hmm. They're from the 60s, right? Yeah, in their research and production, that this was effectively cooperating in in, uh, in some way being associated with the abortion. But this is not the case. And uh, this was made clear under, also I think, under Cardinal Ratzinger. This is not the case. First of all, it is not the producers of the vaccine today who have caused the, 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 the abortion. No more than it is the user, the person who accepts to be vaccinated. So it is so far distant. And secondly, we're in a major crisis, and this vaccine, the ones that are, 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 can work today, have a very remote link in the stem cell lines. And so they're saying that there's the use of vaccines does not constitute formal cooperation with the abortion in any way. Now, there is no moral obligation, they said, to receive the vaccine. Um, and they really stressed that it needs to be voluntary. But there also was an argument in here about, you know, getting the vaccine in order to promote the common good. Yes, it says that the morality of vaccination depends not only on the duty to protect one's own life. One has a duty to protect one's own life. Mm-hmm. You, you don't go into commit suicide. You have a duty to protect your own life. But you've also a duty to pursue the common good. In other words, to protect the lives of other people. So while it is voluntary, there is in this particular situation today uh, perhaps a, a moral duty to uh, be vaccinated. Right. It even says that people who object to getting the vaccine need to do their best to avoid any possibility of transmitting the disease. They said, if you're not going to get vaccinated, you still need to to do the most that you can to avoid being a, a vehicle for transmission. And then the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, the Vatican's doctrinal office, says a third thing. They said, it's a moral imperative for the pharmaceutical in- industry for the governments, of, for the international organization, to ensure that vaccines, which are effective and safe from a medical point of view, and ethically as acceptable as possible, should be accessible to the poorest countries in a manner that is not costly to them. That, that's very important, because the Pope has said this many times. This vaccine, it must be a common good. It must be for the good of all. It must be available to everybody. It, it, it's a kind of a universal good. And I believe the Vatican is, is to come out with another document. Uh, but it's restating the, the importance that this is not just a commercialization of a product, uh, trying to maximize the profits. This is a question of life and death. All right, Jerry, if our listeners want to learn more about this CDF note on vaccines and also about Catholic healthcare in, in this moment, uh, we've got a lot of content up at americamagazine.org. I'll link to some of those in the show notes for further reading. Jerry, this is our last talk before Christmas. So uh, thanks for taking some time out of this busy Christmas week to talk to me. And 
and Merry Christmas to you. I hope that you and your family are able to celebrate even in lockdown. Well, and to you, Colleen, and uh, your husband, your newly wedded couple, but also a very happy Christmas to all our listeners, because I I think uh, it's a less commercialized Christmas, as the Pope said last Sunday, and it helps us to focus perhaps more on the central aspects of life that uh, sometimes get lost in the shop till you drop uh, kind of atmosphere that sometimes takes us at Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's a much simpler Christmas. So we wish everybody peace and joy this Christmas and good health. All right. And I will talk to you next week. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance this week from Kevin Christopher Robles and from the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your questions and comments at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For American Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time.